Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. In the previous episode, I discussed transhumanism being anti-humanism and um, how AI or wanting to be transhuman, changing the genetic code will change God's original design, which would technically um, make you um, no longer, I guess you could say human. Okay, so that's why transhuman would be anti-humanism and what I feel is potentially the mark of the beast. But in today's episode, I'll be talking about something a little bit different. I want to talk today about mind control. I want to talk to you all about mind control, MK Ultra, and specifically in relation to Orlando Brown celebrities, period. But specifically today, Orlando Brown, Jaguar Wright, who's currently making a lot of headlines in the woke, woke world right now, or in the woke movement world right now, because as she predicted, <laughs> she has been placed under arrest. We're going to talk about that as well. Okay. And um, the other person these days that's in the news making headlines for making like, extreme out there comments about the industry and things that's going on behind the scenes, who is also labeled a wag job nutty um, or also suffering from mental health issues other than Orlando Brown and Jaguar Wright is who? Kanye West, right? So I want to talk about those things because... When you try to explain to people about, I guess you could say, the their mental state and how even in their mental state that you know, on the outward appearance comes off as dismiss them, they're crazy, you know, sweep them under the rug kind of thing, that they still are coming from a place or talking from a place of truth. And then because the truth that they're saying is so out there, you know, and, and people don't always understand that the truth is stranger than fiction or a lot of times I think people just don't want to believe such terrible things about their world, um, their idols that they worship, or whatever the reason is. People like comfort, you know, ignorance is bliss, as they say. So people reject uh, such notions, but MK Ultra is real. So when I wanted to come on here to talk about it, though, before I come on here telling y'all that I'm Team Jaguar Wright and I'm Team Orlando Brown, and at this point I see where, where Ye is going team yay at this point <clears throat> i wanted to help people understand mk ultra whether you think you understand it but also for people that don't believe because if you don't already know the history of it or if you don't know the origins of it or you don't even know that they've already been doing it whether they was doing it on the military level or if they was doing it to us the public you know, why would they stop there? Why wouldn't they use it in other places where they would want to control people, especially people that know the truth and would be able to speak out? You know, it's uh, it's like you got to think big when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I wanted to talk to you all about the history of MK Ultra, and what I found to help us, or really mind control, because that's what they called it first. You know, this is the new cage name for it is MK Ultra and all that, and I'm sure every generation or time had a different name for it. Now, I found a very credible documentary old documentary from 1979 and it was from abc news and it was entitled um mind control or i'm sorry abc close-up and it was called mission mind control and this documentary or special was hosted by abc news correspondent paul altmeyer or altmeyer and what he basically did was put together what he found out to be uh, a 30-year search by U.S. intelligence agencies to perfect mind control. 
Again, what he did was come up with what he found or discovered, which was 30 years of, of the U.S. intelligence searching, U.S. intelligence agency searching to, per- to perfect the mind control, not searching to find mind control, not searching to create mind control, but trying to perfect mind control because they already had a method of it already. This is in 1979. And this is just a documentary that I found as of, I guess you could say, in our century recently, as far as very credible. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk to you all about this, what I found. Uh, Timeline stamps and everything, okay, for those who who just have a hard time or maybe just want to expand their their view on what they think they already know about mind control. See you all after the break. All right, we're back from break, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Again, this is ABC News. The name of the show was Close Up, and this uh, episode was entitled Mission Mind Control, and it was hosted by ABC News correspondent Paul Altemeyer in the year 1979. So again, this was a 30-year search by U.S. intelligence agencies to perfect mind control. And some who... The ones who participated or engaged, I wouldn't say all, but some who participated in the search to perfect mind control did agree to talk for the first time to Paul Altemeyer. Okay. A few of them said different things. Some of them said their names. Some of them spoke in the dark. Some people had uh, had somebody read for them. They did not want to be seen or heard for obvious reasons. Okay. And some talked on camera, said their name and everything. Some uh, worked with some of these people and some uh, either wore these people when they were still alive. So one guy said, who didn't want to be seen, he said, one said, I think every last one of us felt sorry to attempt this kind of thing. We knew that we were crossing the line, okay? And so you have the origins of mind control coming out of World War II, Okay, because in World War II or during World War II, they had created the Office of Strategic Services or what they called the OSS. And the OSS was founded by somebody named Wild Bill Donovan. Uh, Wild Bill was his nickname, but his real name was William J. Donovan. Now, Wild Bill once said, quote, we may have made mistakes, but we weren't afraid to try things that were never done before, end quote. Okay, so when he created this anything goes atmosphere, he introduced a guy by the name of Stanley Labelle or Lavelle, depending on the pronunciation or the language or the tongue. So Stanley or Mr. Labelle gets hired by Wild Bill. Now, Wild Bill referred to Stanley or Mr. Labelle as his professor Moriarty. His Professor Moriarty, right? Now, this is this is what I be talking about, people talking code. Now, Professor Moriarty is a character in the Sherlock Holmes uh, stories or the volumes. And I know of him, but I've never gotten to him. And what do I mean by that? Y'all know she a nerd, and y'all know she keep books. So the first thing I said is I know that Professor Moriarty is a, a nemesis of Sherlock Holmes in a book. So I said I never really got to him, though, because... It comes in two volumes. I have the unabridged versions. It's two volumes, honey. It's I pulled them out because now I found that I'm like I I know he's there, but I never seen him. 
You know what I mean? Like, I know in the history of it that he's there, but I, I know all the books because I'm still in volume one. <laughs> he's all the way in volume two. And we'll talk about why that character is in volume two. But again, it's a fictional character in the Sherlock Holmes mysteries written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Why does that matter? Why are you telling us this? Okay, move on. I'm telling you this because it has significant reason. And I'm going to tell you all about that now. Y'all know I'll just be telling. I mean, I talk a lot. But for crying out loud, I I try to bring it all together, don't I? Okay, so what we're doing now is going to um, pull this up here on Professor Moriarty. So Professor James Moriarty, this is from Wiki, is a fictional character and crime mastermind created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to be a formidable enemy for the Arthur's fictional detective Sherlock Holmes. He was created primarily as a device by which Doyle would kill Holmes at the end of the hero's stories. Professor Moriarty first appears in the first in the short story, The Adventure of the Final Problem. That's when I said, okay, and I never read that one, but I know he exists as I, I know the, the history of it. And, you know, but I know he comes in at some point, never ran into the character. That's when I remember got my books, <laughs> volume one. I said, I read it. I was like, oh, it's not in volume one. I certainly didn't get to volume two, and the books combined under bridge comes up to something like 1,500 pages, so I did not get to volume two. And it says the other four short stories that Professor um, Moriarty is mentioned in, and those are also all of them in uh, volume two, obviously, because as they said here, he was created primarily as a device by which Doyle would kill Holmes to end his hero stories, because it was two volumes, it was so many stories, I guess he got tired of writing them, he's like, I gotta kill them off, I need a nemesis and somebody that's gonna end up doing the job, so I want to move on to say more about that, though, okay, so it says Moriarty is a criminal mastermind who uses his intelligence and resources to provide criminals with the crime strategies and sometimes protection from the law in exchange for a fee or a cut of profit. Holmes, like Moriarty, Holmes likens Moriarty to a spider at the center of a web and calls him the Napoleon of crime. A phrase Doyle lifted from the Scotland Yard inspector referring to Adam Worth. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on. <clears throat> next. Okay, next here. Professor Moriarty's first appearance occurred in the 1893 short story, The Adventure of the Final Problem, set in 1981. The story features consulting detective Sherlock Holmes, revealing to his friend and biographer, Dr. Watson, that for years now, he has suspected many seemingly isolated crimes to actually all be the machinations or mechanisms of a single vast and subtle criminal organization. After investigation, he has uncovered Professor Moriarty as the mastermind who provides strategy and protection. He, Professor Moriarty, remember uh, this guy, uh, LaBelle, to Wow Bill is his... Professor Moriarty, so he he gives, um, I guess you could say protection, and he gives strategy to criminals in exchange for obedience and a share in their profits. Moriarty realizes Holmes is aware of his operation and confronts him in person, threatening death if further in inference interference is done. <clears throat> Isn't that similar to them today? If you're trying to say something or speak out or find out some more, but anyway. 
Holmes describes Moriarty's physical appearance to Watson, saying the professor is extremely tall, mm, tall, or maybe gigantic stature, and thin, clean-shaven, pale, and aesthetic-looking. That's what I said. Um, he has a forehead that domes out in a white curve, deeply sunken eyes, and shoulders that are round from much study. Then it says his face protrudes forward and always slowly oscillating from side to side in a curious reptilian fashion. I know those tall and reptilian stood out to me, I'm just saying. And odd features, just maybe unhuman is probably why it stood out to him. I mean, why would you speak on the person's appearance unless it, it wasn't normal to you? Anyway, this is the writer. This is all supposed to be fictional. So it just says that... Um, Moriarty, okay, looking at at Sherlock Holmes, remarked in surprise, you have less frontal development than I should have expected, indicating that the criminal believed in foreign, foreignology or uh, foreignology, right? That's what I think it's pronounced, right? So he says to him, or Moriarty, to Holmes, you have less frontal development, looking already at his skull. So basically, when you're looking at uh, phrenology, <laughs> that's how you say it, <laughs> phrenology, it's, it's, it says here in Wiki that uh, it is a pseudoscience which involves the measurement of the bumps on the skull to predict mental traits. It is based on the concept that the brain is the organ of the mind. And that certain brain areas have localized specific functions or modules. It was said that the brain was composed of different muscles. So those that were used more often were bigger, resulting in different skull shapes. This led to the reasoning behind why everybody had um, bumps on the skull in different locations, it says. Um, but my point is with phrenology, because that's how it's pronounced, right? <laughs> Wink. <laughs> This is what Dr. Uh, Moriarty, isn't it interesting how while, 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 um, while Bill is talking to Stanley Lavelle, talking about you, my Moriarty, Moriarty in the book is also a criminal mastermind that's going to help somebody get away with all this, this, strategic and all this is for profits. But also at the same time, he also has the gift of looking at somebody and looking at their frontal lobe or their cranium on sight and being able to be like, so he kind of played him a little when he said, oh, I'm surprised that your frontal's a little smaller than I thought it would be. Being like you're supposed to be Sherlock Holmes, I heard of your brain, look, I'm looking, that's a little creepy. So we're going to move on. I'm just talking about, we're trying to make the connection or paint a picture of why this guy says Moriarty. So <clears throat> it just says here, Moriarty is highly ruthless, shown by his steadfast vow to Sherlock Holmes, you know, that if you're ever clever enough to bring destruction upon me, rest assured that I shall do as much to you. It says Moriarty is characterized by Holmes as an extremely powerful criminal mastermind, adept at committing any atrocity to perfection without losing any sleep over it. Meaning, um, I guess you could say, uh, what, do you, what do you call them people today? Basically, uh, not a, certainly not an empath. You know what I mean? One of those people who's devoid of them. Um, like the ones who rule the world. I could totally see it. It is stated in the final problem that Moriarty does not directly participate in the activities he plans, but only orchestrates the events the events or provides the plans that will the plans that will lead to a successful crime. 
What makes Moriarty so dangerous is his extreme cunning intellect. So, of Moriarty, Sherlock Holmes was quoted saying, quote, He is a man of good birth and excellent education, endowed by nature with a phenomenal mathematical faculty. But the man had hereditary tendencies of the most diabolical kind. Notice I said hereditary tendencies of the most hereditary, like generational curses. A criminal strain ran in his blood, which instead of being modified, was increased and rendered indefinitely more dangerous by his extraordinary mental powers. Mm. He is the Napoleon of crime. He went on to say um, he is the organizer of half that is evil and of nearly all that is undetected in this great city. Uh, Another quote from Sherlock Holmes about him, about Moriarty, Professor Moriarty, the greatest schemer of all time, the organizer of every devilry, the controlling brain of the underworld, a brain which might have made or marred the destiny of nations. That's the man, exclamation point. But so aloof is he from general suspicion, so immune from criticism, so admirable in his management of self-effacement, that for those very words that you have uttered, he could hail you to a court and emerge with your year's pension as a solitium solitium? for his wounded character. Foul mouthed doctor and slandered professor, such would be your respective roles. At the end of the day, he's a foul mouthed doctor and a slandered professor. Then he said, That's what he is, Watson. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes was not jacking him. So I just wanted to bring that point home. Now, it's said that, listen to this, it is said that um, LaBelle loved that name for himself and they even did an article called uh, the cloak and dagger where he literally dressed up like professor moriarty um from sherlock holmes and it was very grim and literally the title was called cloak and dagger and he doesn't look friendly and there's all kind of like surgical knives or something if you look in a doctor room you'll see they'll show you the the, the article and it specifically says that Cloak and Dagger, which is the name of the article, is also symbolism for a fighting style which was common in the Renaissance involving a knife that was hidden beneath a cloak. So the term later came into use as like a metaphor referring to situations involving, I guess you could say, intrigue, secrecy, espionage, and or mystery. Okay, so the fact that they named it Cloak and Dagger, the fact that he was um, owning up to this Professor Moriarty, you know, new title and understanding what it is. Because if you know, you know. You know what I mean? Like, same way, like, I knew the knew show, like, I didn't know the stories. Like, it's like I want to jump to them, but I want to also build up to the stories. I, I want to wait till I personally get there. I definitely didn't want the spoiler alert because I'm still in volume one. They're short stories and mysteries. You get to them when you get to them. I'm just kind of like, no, I wish I got to them faster. They kind of made me feel like I was moving slowly, but when they. Um, asked him about his work there or how he described his job or his time at the OSS. We're talking about Stanley LaBelle. He says um, he was happy to be there because he said to 
quote, to stimulate the pecs of the bad boy beneath the surface of every American scientist and to say to them, throw all of your normal law-abiding concepts out of the window. Here's a chance to raise merry hell, end quote. That's how he described his time there, the, to stimulate the pecs of bad boy beneath the surface of every American scientist and to say to them, throw all your normal law-abiding concepts out of the window. Here's a chance to raise Mary Hell, which that's just a, that's just a, a walking contradiction right there. When the hell do Mary, Mary and, Mary and Hell don't go together. <laughs> ain't nothing Mary about hell and ain't nothing hellish about being Mary. Okay. But this, this is what he's doing. And do you notice here the, the tone is what I said to y'all before, that science can get very Frankensteinish and they're going to push the envelope because what scientists are the one be the first to do this or first to do that, even if to get there, they have to do unethical things. So clearly there was no morals here and they didn't give a damn. The same way I say that we are cattle unto them, and I'm going to show you that as well. OSS. Now here's about um, George White comes in. George White of the OSS was, was a captive. And he was formerly with the Bureau of Narcotics, okay? So Lavelle, or Stanley Lavelle, referred to White as deadly and dedicated because he had a kind of persona that was like, you're going to do what I say you're going to do. There's people that basically said one time there was with him, people that worked with him, whether they used to be in the, the um, Bureau of Narcotics, wherever they were, if it was fellow OSS with him and out with to dinner, I got. I, I, it doesn't matter if they had prestige and and some kind of ranking in OSS or in the Bureau of Narcotic. If the waiter gave them a problem, or if he was on his phone and the waiter's like, "Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, can I help you? Hello, do you need any help?" And the waiter he'll pull a gun out in somebody's face. He had the kind of notion where he said one time he was out with his the the narcotics but Bureau of Narcotics former coworker of his on camera said. He was the type of guy, you know, if somebody gives problems, he'd be like, you know, you got to nip that in the bud right now. You know, like if somebody gives you a problem, you, you, you bust them in the knee. He said, so the guy was giving us a problem. He said he was the type of guy who always carried a, carried a billy stick with him. He said, the guy gave him a problem. He said, damn, I whack him in the knee. He whacked him in the neck. He said, then he proceeded to bust everybody down in the room. So there's something about him because he was the one that helped run the mind control tactics and to put people in place and stop first at some point, tell him to sit down and, and, and shut up. You know, they needed somebody at some point to be like, hey, so he was who he was and they needed him. So when they said that he was deadly and dedicated, you know, <laughs> dedicated and deadly, they liked that about him. Okay. And he got away with whatever he had to do. So White went to school with what they said was the writer or the original writer of James Bond, Ian Fleming. And that was at a school called Oshawa, Canada. And Oshawa, Canada, he labeled as a school of mayhem and murder. Why? I'll never know, but he did. So Paul Altamira has George White's journals and in the journals he had wrote down the words TD, which stood for truth drug. So George White worked with the truth drug committee at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in the nation's capital. There they would inject people with things or have them consume things like Nexplan, scopolamine, and marijuana, right? So no truth drug at was found at that stage with those three drugs, meaning that they did use Nexplan. And these were unwitting 
I want to make this very clear that these were people that did not volunteer for this. This was people that went in for one treatment and was given a drug, told them it was going to be for, it was going to treat them and not even told what the truth was. Not even told that this was a test. They just put them on people hoping to, to get a certain outcome. Okay, these people didn't even know. Thank God it didn't do what it was supposed to do, but who knows what the adverse re reactions was because they were literally putting and ingesting things and making people consume things, telling them that it was going to make them better. The bottom line, there was no truth drug at that stage, but they were ready to stop trying. The goal still remained the same, and the aim was basically, quote, controlling an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against such fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation, end quote. And this was a quote made by a member of the CIA. Now, there was a doctor by the name of Hoffman, and he was in Switzerland, and he found a drug named lysergic acids, dialin, and blah, 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 which is now known today as LSD. It was the first time that he had found such a powerful drug that no one had ever known or even heard of or even experienced. They said, quote, or he said, quote, you could disable a whole city by putting a small amount in the water supply. By simply putting a small amount of this in the water supply, you could disable a whole city. And mind you, looking for mind control and looking for specifically a drug at this point. And don't be surprised because in a lot of the occult rituals and the a lot of the occult ceremonies, especially the sexual ones, they are getting high off the purest of the high psychedelic because they're trying to achieve everything, trying to see every um gray area, you know, the fallen come showing themselves because you're no longer in this realm. You done opened yourself. Them hallucinations they some hallucinations so much that you don't open yourself and that's that's a yeah, that's a unicorn running through your living room, honey. Right? And so um I wanna talk about the Manchurian candidate. Because the Manchurian Manchurian candidate, the movie, I don't know if you all remember, was Denzel Washington who was in the army and he comes home, he has a bunch of nightmares, PTSD. And then he looks on TV one day and realizes that a presidential candidate was somebody that he went or was in the war with. And while they're hailing him and reminding everybody of, you know, like like a lot of people who may have been president before, if they had some kind of um, military background, they'll tell you that they fought for this country. You know, they had this honor, all this stuff. It's, it's supposed to be some kind of credibility on top of this blah, blah, blah spiel. So he was looking and he was like, yeah, yeah, I remember him. I remember him. But he's like, but something about what you're saying about him is not right. And he could not pinpoint what it was. Keeps having these nightmares, keep having his nightmares. And eventually his nightmares, he starts to come to the truth that this guy is not who he says he really is. And so he starts to run down on him, the, the presidential candidate, and just be like, do you remember me? Do you remember we were together? Like, I need to talk to you. And what really happened there? There was something else that really happened. And I know something happened, but I can't really remember. And I don't know why. And I know you know. And it's just like this whole thing going on. You come to find out that Denzel finds out later on that he has a chip in his head. That um, what he dreams in his dreams is actually real. They actually wiped out his memory. Okay, he's a military person. Regular civilian that went to the military to serve. Came back home and his mind, his head's all messed up. And you got to ask, why do they go to veterans' hospitals when they come home? Why can't a regular hospital and a regular doctor, why do these doctors have to be under the vet? I get it, but no, I don't get it because they have their own record-keeping of everything. It doesn't go by this world. So long story short, um, he finds that he has a chip in his head. 
The Manchurian Candidate, which is Lee Shriver in the movie, actually realizes later on that something isn't right himself. His mother actually been messing him up his whole life. She's been putting him in certain schools, certain positions. She actually been having inappropriate relations with him. At one point, he realized she, you know, she was, she watches him bathe. She kisses him on the mouth. You know, like there was certain things she was wiping from him. She had put him in full control and whoever she gave him up to or she gave soul over their souls to was the reason why he was Manchurian Candidate. So while he was a bad person in the war, as Denzel remembered, he was only acting under the orders of the mind control. And so everything was the, the whole, whole show, the movie was about it. And if you want to go back to that, you can look at it. But like I said, um, LSD, Dr. Hoffman in, the, in Switzerland found it. And the next thing um, that they did was wanting to go to Mexico. They heard about the magic mushrooms in, in Mexico, something that they believed to have been a myth, okay? So they believed to have been a myth, and they went to Mexico running for this. Now, there was a man by the name of, I guess you could say R. Gordon Watson, and what he was was just a simple vice president of a bank who was also an amateur mushroom connoisseur or mushroom expert and the cia went to this guy and they wanted to see if they could kind of i don't know canoodle him or kind of like you know persuade him but but really play him you know like uh not really let them know what they were really trying to do with it but just trying to see if they could use him as a tool to find it but he got hip to what they were trying to do and he went on his own expedition to Mexico and he ended up finding these so-called magic mushrooms, which he later on becoming the finder of what you call uh, psilocybin, which is an active component in the magical mushrooms or the psychedelic agent of it anyway. He said he found it in the Mazatec area, remote from highways, remote from Mexico City, that they had found the field where they had this kind of rotten wood or something, something rotten where it says that they that the uh, mushrooms were wild on, and they found plenty just growing wild. So what they now or or termed then the sacred mushrooms, they took. But before they took it, they went running to the local shaman. You see, the colonizer went running to the local shaman and wanted to know more about it how to use it properly and to get the most out of it not only did they hear about the legend of the mushroom but they also learned the legend of what it's supposed to do otherwise you know what are you looking for you're looking for that most potent drug they want to know how to get the most optimal benefit out of it and they talked to a woman called aria sabina she was a high priestess high witch okay and she taught them the mystical rites to the mush or the mushroom now he said quote he saw incredible sights that went slow or fast as he ordained, okay, and that all senses were rendered acute, that he heard sounds and smelled things. What he basically said is these hallucinations and things like that, paranoia that people felt. I think what happened was that he got the purest of the purest of the purest of the purest form of it, and probably the shaman probably showed him how to open him up to, to, the, to, the, to the fallen, you know, to the point that he experienced the fear euphoric of it. So, of course, he keeps wanting to come back and obviously is open to it. Now, the CIA got a hold of it anyway, and they, um, you know, they, they came to Watson. They came back to Watson for the magic mush, okay? And then it ended up becoming an agency secret. Now, it changes behavior, and it also changes mental attitude. That's what, that's what they're looking for, so that changes behavior and your mental attitude. And they continued to run tests on unwitting Americans, meaning 
they didn't know, they didn't volunteer. If they gave it to them, they might even told them it was Tylenol. You don't even, I'm telling you, they were slipping it in anything. Okay, so let's go on. Um, George White, for example, he knew a lot of people because, like I said, he was a bad guy. He was the type, the, the guy that I told you, if you, you know, you bother him, you're going to put a gun in your face, fix it now, bust him in the kneecap, set him straight, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, everybody knew don't mess with this guy. So he made a lot of connections with a lot of prostitutes, excuse my language, pimps. And they set up safe houses in NYC for the NDCIA. So he set up a bunch of safe houses in Greenwich Village. They also set San Francisco at this place called the Plantation Inn Motel. And all this was for the CIA. Again, he put pimps there and he put prostitutes there. And they used that place for drug testing and to uh, study sexual behavior and to how it could be used to manipulate people. They then funded LSD research at universities across the country, okay? And word soon began to spread about the drug. So now you see the NYU's doing a study. NYU, anytime you see any school saying, oh, they're doing a research study, they're doing a research study, they can fund it. They can fund it. That's not a bunch of brainiac kids. It's just like, hey, what do we want to do this year? Let's see if we're going to just research with whose money? The school going to say, with whose money, itch? Excuse my language. <laughs> Wait, but not, not with my money. Not for our money. Now, if the government says, hey, we'll give you all this money if you get your students together. They're like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> We got a project. Who wanted, you know, who's signing up, you know? Come on, somebody. We, but I noticed that when they're doing their projects and their stuff, they hand it down to the universities to research, and they hand it down a lot of time to the hospitals, specifically psychiatric hospitals. And we're going to talk about that as well. Again, unwitting people that don't have no idea. All right, we're going to get it. So it just says that this, you know, the CIA, uh, if you really want to know the truth, after this situation of them funding universities for them to do the research and then the word spreading like wildfire to the students on campus, obviously the next thing that happened is that the CIA became responsible for what was known as the Free Love Era, which was an experiment on the masses on how the drug of LSD affects the mind. It was, they literally put it out there so bad that they wouldn't see what would happen if we just put it all on everybody all at once. They had no regulation. Nobody knew, they didn't care. Everybody's sleeping there but kids. You're naming your, never, you're, you're, you're naming your children River. <laughs> your River. That's how they got all those odd names. Talking about Sky Wolf and all of that. Just stunning all day, rolling in the weeds, like literally. Sunflower. You know, <laughs> and the government let them do it, and then marijuana and everything else. They was just like, oh no, <laughs> this was allowed because the CIA needed to know. Okay, they they didn't have volunteers. They couldn't tell anybody what they was doing. They couldn't do it too vastly, like meaning. Too obviously, so at some point, like how to make it so that people are doing it themselves, but at the same time, not realizing that we're making them do it so that we can study. Terrible. Mind altering drugs, man. What's sad about it is there was a lot of long term effects to these people that they were just testing out in the beginning on their road to perfection because between depression, between addiction, uh, between, you know, a lot of things came from this. And it's sad because it might not have never been introduced to the society if not for people trying to test something to just simply, and, and to, to you know, what kind of 
mindset of person would do that. We're going to move on, though, because I got to go on. So, again, there was an, um, so now the next thing was that CIA funded and supported and encouraged psychiatrists to experiment with the drug to distribute it as a medication to their patients. But the fallout was that the young psychologists all became to start taking the drug for themselves. And then began realizing that it was an intelligence enhancing or conscious raising experience. So backfired. But either way, everybody was on, you know, something. So there was a guy named Frank Olson. Listen to this. This was the first unwitting victim that actually got caught by the CIA, but it took 22 years later. Frank Olson, a guy, was slipped LSD when he went to visit the CIA. They literally just for the hell of it just say, let me slip, let's slip this guy some LSD. I personally think maybe he knew something. Maybe he didn't know something. Why him? I mean, like I said, they was literally just didn't care. They just were trying to use everybody as a study and probably marking it down. It was that dangerous that maybe he wasn't even the first guy, but later on they were able to trace it to him. And they somehow laced him with LSD, whether it's in water or whatever. I don't know. I don't have any familiarity with the drugs, even all the variations it comes in. But they slipped it to this guy. He later developed severe depression and unalived himself by diving out of his own hotel window, 10 stories up, literally running through the glass window. Okay? That's how he died. And it was the first known fatality in the CIA LSD mind control program testing. And they covered up this death. It was, it was covered up literally for 20 years. The wife... Found out because the investigator, Paul Altemeyer, went to her house doing the thing and finding out because she, he's trying to reach everybody. Trying to see Some people didn't want to do an interview. But whoever talked, like I said, some talked and some didn't. She said that they did come to the house and it, who came to the house was the person that actually slipped him. The person who actually slipped her husband, the LSD. And the person, I think they said, that actually undercovered it, like made, made, made it so that it, it, it didn't come back to them. It was a, the two primary heads came to her house, sat at her table, drank coffee at her house and everything, smiled in her face, said they was just coming to check in on her. She says, but now that she's talking to Paul Altamar, she realizes that they were just trying to come back to realize or check in on her state of mind. Does she know? Did he say something to her before she, he died? Will she come back? Will she say something? Do we maybe need to fix her do? We got some LSD right now. Let's slip in her coffee. Wank, wank. You know? You know, that kind of thing. And it, she said that that to this, like, right now, when she think about it, it's just so disgusting. Because when she knows, when she knows now, if she knew now, what she knew then. You know, if she knew then, what she knew now. Excuse me. Especially after talking to Paul Altamire. Like, it's crazy. But Paul helped her to get a lawsuit. Okay? Same way. There was another victim. These are the ones that was actually, that they was able to call so, um, the Army Chemical Corps started working with the CIA, okay, and then they branched out on its own. So, the Army Chemical Corps is actually, I believe, a psychiatric institute. So, they're, they're the Army Chemical Corps. They started working with the CIA, but then they branched out on their own to look for their own mind control methods with LSD for psychiatric purposes. Like I said, there's no control over this. So people just, that's why psychiatric world is always dark, especially when it comes to asylum. 
And please don't think for a second that it's a coincidence that most people in the silent is either babbling about some kind of government conspiracy, like the government put me here, uh, you know, President Eisenhower, blah, blah, blah. they're always talking something. And if it's not that, then it's just like, um, it's super dark. Like, I don't know that they help them so much as they either overly medicate them. There's a lot of sexual assault in that world. It's, it's, it's not really what it is, you know? Are they just still running tests on using mentally ill patients? Because nobody wants to be in psych. That's why a lot of mentally I'm ill person, persons I'm suffering mental disability, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Whether they want the help or not, are they really getting help between the medications that just keep making them go in and out? It might as well be the same thing as what they're doing here, mind control. Just, just, we're just going to mind control you to just numb your, numb your mind. But are you helping me? You know, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something very dark about it. They don't want to go to psych when they're in prison. It's the worst place to be. They don't want to go to the institution when they're here. I mean, I don't want to go to the doctors. I don't want. You know, if I got to go for checkup, I don't just, it's just it's inconvenient. And if I guess you have an illness where you have to be recurrently going to a doctor, of course it's not the best place to be. But could you imagine? Recurrently. So there was a pro tennis player by the name of Harry Blower, who was a patient at the Psychiatric Institute and Hospital in New York. But uh, he was given five injections of something they called a masculine derivative, right? He died after the fifth injection. Uh, this injection was actually a test. See, why they told him he was treating him for whatever condition that he was there for mentally, it was actually a private test that was being done secretly by the hospital, um, not through the CIA. Remember, they, this hospital started off with the CIA, then they branched off. It was being done through the hospital where they were specifically trying to figure out how to give somebody schizophrenia. In this mind control, they want to give somebody schizophrenia. So that's a different. The brain is so complex. There's a lot of different things that you can do or give it all at once. They were looking to give somebody schizophrenia. This man had no idea because he was an unwitting victim that he was giving this drug under the guise that they were trying to mess with him. And he died. So what happened was this was um, went unnoticed again for another 22 years. Okay. And they asked him. Paul Altamire asked them, why didn't you tell these people? Or did you tell them? Always, he asked them very clearly. Did you ever tell them? Well, we told them that we would use a drug that would help them. But did you specifically say it was LSD? No. Why do you think it's not important to, well, I mean, you know, this is what they said. Why didn't you tell them? They said, quote, they didn't, um, they didn't want, they didn't tell people because they did not want to, quote, contaminate the experiment, end quote. It would contaminate the experiment. Why would they want to take it if they knew we're experimenting? We need them to take it. We're going to tell them whatever the we need to tell you, tell them in order for them to take it. Why would we tell them that it is this and it's that and it's going to do this? And they're going to take it. We need a large mass of people to take it so we get it real because we're trying to mind control. If, we, if they were just trying to control, mind control one or two, three people, that's one thing. World control, world domination, or whatever situation is, or especially in places like politics, mind control, <laughs> news, mind Places where you have power and a large following. You're going to be controlled in your mind. You can't just go up there and say whatever it is that you want to say. You cannot without hearing about it within two seconds. They're too watched. I don't even know that he's... I, yeah, I'm going to go that far. But, again, um, they literally said when he asked them, did, what were you injecting them with? They said it was so bad when they were doing the test. They just knew that they were trying to produce schizophrenia. But, quote, we didn't know whether it was dog piss. This was a secret, end quote. 
I'm just telling you the facts. Why I'm talking about this episode on today is because I don't want to hear, oh, my God, y'all, why are you people, you conspiracy? Because it's there. This is 1979. I told you the article that I found in 1929 in the previous episode where they say soon scientists will be the daddy of all mankind. Ain't going to be no need for women. They have artificial. And, but then recently, India just said that they have um, birthing pod. Don't think because they're saying something today just because 50 years from now. And somebody even said it when I was watching the documentary. They said in the comments, they said, I bet in 1979 they were saying that this is all a conspiracy. They got to control even the soldiers because the soldiers can't just come home and say everything they see. A human is a human. A human have feeling. A human going to come out sometimes and say, I'm sad. Mom, this is what happened. Da, da, da. You can't. You have to control. You have to control. And they control what they can. They control us down to me and you as best as they can. But especially the ones that's underneath. You think the ones that got, went to Roswell and cleaned that up, you think they could go home and say what they saw? There's people that died on their deathbed. There's people that went and distorted their voices and went into the darkness. You're crazy. They're going to they're gonna kill their whole family. You don't know what they tell them over there. And that military world ain't funny. You know I mean, women get sexually assaulted in there. Under the guise as if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to send you home with dishonorable discharge and ruin your life. I've heard stories, incredible stories. This, this world's not what you think it is. Moving on, though, because we, we're doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing too much. Unwitting victims. They don't know anything. It's just like we don't know. All right, we did the magical mushroom. We did. The CIA coming to Watson. We did George White and his brothel. And we definitely did the CIA as responsible for the free love movement. All right, so what they said was, and bottom line, I'll give you another quote to give you an example of what they're trying to do. Quote, they're looking for incapacitated agent, an agent that would not harm the person permanently, but would incapacitate them temporarily. It says it is a human humanistic way to wage war if war was necessary. The army intelligence referred to this as peeling back a guy's brain, a soldier's brain. They peel him back. Do you know how many soldiers come back from mind control all messed up? Man, you remember, remember that movie that was called The Man Who Stared at Goats? That was one thing about mind control. But you understand, you got to understand this prisoners of war. They got to train them and torture them just to be able to sustain torture to not be able to give up, um, be treasonous and give up the country. You got to be ready to just die and get your ear cut off and burnt and, and excuse me, sexually assaulted. I have a family member who, whose sister went to Desert Storm. She did not come back the same at all. To this day, she is not well. She, not only was she a prisoner of war in Desert Storm, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sure they mind control her as well because she's, to this day, she's not well. They can't need to care of her family. They don't, they don't treat the veterans right. The veterans don't be treated right, okay? So at the end of the day, even in um, what, what happened with the, that movie with Dead Presidents, when they talk about was it Vietnam, all them drugs that went up there, what was that about? Anyway, it's weird. They peel back the brain. When you're in prison or war, like I said, they gotta de- you gotta be able to hold on. So when they torturing people, they wanna torture them too. All this wasn't always just starting to just control for first us. They find their ways to control us. 
This was also for war. But then from war, you, you, you bring it into Hollywood. I don't know why people don't think Hollywood and CIA, DEA, DEA, FBI don't go together. They go hand in hand. The same way when the FBI need masks and all that, they go they get it from Hollywood. They go hand in hand. Um, whatever arrests we see Orlando Brown and Jaguar White going through, I'm going to be very clear. Even if it's supposed to be local police, they're under the payroll. The same way Frank Lucas and a lot of people to this day, who's, uh, I guess you could say, into anything heavy, have put law enforcement under their thumb. Law enforcement get paid off to this day. That ain't just a time of of, of them um, Harlem Knights days and all that stuff. They still get paid off. And if they, and agencies get paid off. Peel back somebody's brain. They had an African-American male on there. And um, Paul Altamire was trying to interview the man just could just remember all the feeling, the pins of needles on his skin. Um, just feeling that everybody can remember so vividly what they felt to the point that it's like reliving it over again. And he broke down crying and Paul Tamara's asking that he need a minute. And he said, no, it's going to be okay. He'll live. He'll live through it and he's going to do it. He has to do it. He didn't even make it through it. You know, that that that's crazy. And then people laughing at you like, oh, you're crazy. Mental illness is that it's more than mental illness. Okay, mental illness is sad. It's one thing if you experience something on life and your own brain broke on its own or split on its own. I don't mean to say break to, to offend anybody. I meant to say split. It's another thing, though, if you have somebody intentionally just doing something to your mind. That's not right. Okay, that is mind control. Let me tell you about mind control in the simplest form, even in the lowest form of at least witchcraft. Liars. Liars and deceivers. I say all the time, a thief. A thief is after your personal belongings. I, I personally, nobody wants to get nothing stolen from them. But I would rather or prefer a thief over a damn uh, liar. Because a thief stole, you know what they is. Whether you find out who they are, you'll narrow it down or whatever situation is, they are still. But a liar, you got people that's shaping your reality every single day. That's so dangerous because they're trying to show you what it is that you see. They're painting your world for you. That is like the also, I guess you could say the person who is a um I can't remember the name for them, but the person that's almost like the chameleon. This is it's a it's a character trait that's flawed where they just try to they have no personality at all, they're void. Maybe even a narcissist. They just try to mirror what you are. It's all about them. But sometimes they just make, want to make you feel like, yeah, I'm you. Yeah, I'm like that too. Yeah, me too. Me too. You start to think you see yourself in them. It's a trap. Yeah. So I wanted to go on here. So I want to go into CIA's brainwashing. CIA and brainwashing. So... Now, there's an estate called, it's a gothic estate. It literally is a gothic estate called Raven's Craig. It's halfway up Mount Royal in Montreal. It is called Allen Memorial Institute of Psychiatric, uh, Psychiatry, excuse me. And it's Allen with an A. So Allen Memorial Institute of Psychiatry of the University of McGill or McGill University. Now, here, the CIA funded a set of experiments, and it was really, I guess you could say, severe experiments. And the experiments were ran by a guy named or director Ewan Cameron. Now, he specialized in three types of psychiatry, which was sleep therapy, psychic driving, and de-patterning, which is also known as brainwashing. 
It says here that Dr. Maurice Dangier, Dangier, which sounds like Dr. Maurice Danger. He's French. Dr. Maurice Dangier. He was the head of the institute at the time. So he, I guess you could say, succeeded him. He succeeded the guy that we're talking about. The one that had the three uh, methods of psych psychiatry. And he said of this guy that his driving therapy would be to give the patient extensive electro treatment in order to make the patient regress deeply in order to become forgetful. And then the doctor would attempt to implant new ideas in the mind of the patient. So basically, Dr. Cameron would take the state or mind of a person, wipe it clean, okay? The slate being the mind now. And in other words, this would be a definition like brainwashing. Take the slate, wipe it clean. The slate is the mind. That's a brainwash. Psychic driving, they said, is just like uh, when they play repetitive tapes to you in a room and they give you heavy medication. Do you understand? Do you find it very funny how so why are you so heavily medicated and medicated is not even medication that heal you? It's so much as to mess it up your mind. Depatterning is the breaking up the existence, so breaking up the existing patterns of behavior by means of intensive electroshock therapy, which prolong periods of sleep. So after you got electrotherapy, it would prolong periods of sleep. They said he would have people down as much as 30 days, 32 days, or 60 days. So when he could, he, they come out of it, he could boom, they put them back in it. So this is very inhumane. This is cruel and unusual punishment, which you shouldn't be punishment. You're supposed to be healing, but you're punishing people that need healing. And all for the dirty, filthy sake of trying to perfect, perfect mind control. That was, that was 1979, 2023, with all the technology that we have today. I'm just trying to paint a picture for anybody who just needs a little bit more help and trying to say, oh, you all need some help. You ain't got nothing better to do. Conspiracy theory. Get off our page. But Moving on. Sleep rooms. That's what they called them. It was called sleep rooms. They would sleep from 60 days, sometimes 35 days. And the patients who didn't go to the sleep rooms and didn't need the, like, they didn't do electric shock therapy was always traumatic when they were in the institution to even pass by this room or even the hallway. They would put their backs along the opposite side of the room and just go by because they said it was, it was like a nursery or something, but with adults who would just cry and moan in, in agony all day long, like nonstop, because when did they ever get peace? I mean, was it asleep at all, or was it the brain was so fried that they couldn't come to in consciousness? There was no mercy on these unwitting that came there for help. These people didn't care. They didn't know that these were programs by CIA. They didn't, they didn't know that it was really getting help. And it scares me because when I think about this, because I don't really, like, I know if you need help, you go to the hospital. But there's, even while you're getting help in the hospital, it just feels so just like, I want to go home. I want to go home. You want to be there. You know, and, and it's just like uh, healthcare these days. It's not saying, you, you, I mean, now if you need help, you're going to call them. But for crying out loud, um, between the COVID vaccine, between COVID itself, you know, they attacking these kids now with RSV. You know, you, you got to wonder whose real test is it. Clearly, it's depopulation, but come on, man. I'm I'm nobody guinea pig, and I ain't trying to be nobody guinea pig down to the meat. I mean, it really got, I already knew these things, but I'm just, like, reexamining my whole life now, and I'm just like, oh, no. I, 
can't trust these fools for nothing. We know chemtrail. Look at Flint, Michigan with the water. Like, I, I, don't, I don't drink tap water. I'm be honest with you. People can tell me whatever they want about bottled water. I will dehydrate and take me to the hospital. Just give me some IV, man. Because I'm not drinking it. And I can't drink all tap water. Don't tell me about boiling it. Because I tried that too. And certain waters ain't the same. This NYC water still got lead in it, man. Could boil that thing for a year. Stop playing with me. I know what I'm talking about. I ain't moving on. Ooh, so the CIA then commissioned Cornell University. Nah, see, remember I told you, Cornell University Medical Center. Remember I told you, they, whenever they need the research, they give it. It's not just the school wants to do it. They get funded. But we don't know it's by the CIA, FBI. We just talk about CIA. We don't even know what the hell the other people are doing. And they do it. And so it was a secret study or research on communist brainwashing techniques. So Cornell University Medical Center, this was ran by, the head of the study was Dr. Lawrence Hinkle. I told you, I'm trying to be very, I ain't got time to be playing with nobody. I ain't got, let me tell you something, I ain't going to be arguing with nobody out here. You better go watch your documentaries do your own research out here. If you ain't listening to me or, or, or decide you want to go back and forth with me, I, I, I said my sources. So it says, while the purpose of the study was to find out about communist brainwashing, because again, that was the point. It said the CIA document showed that the agency really wanted to develop mind control methods of their own to condition and control Chinese people living in this country to go back to their homeland as CIA agents. So even though the CIA commissioned Cornell University Medical Center to do a secret study research on communist brainwashing techniques, is because they were going to sit there and use that to brainwash Chinese Americans here to go back to their own homeland as CIA agents. This is what I'm talking about, about the Manchurian candidate because the, what what that guy did, the candidate, I don't even think he remembered doing and even though he did it, it was chipped and programmed for him to do. You got to remember like Zoolander. It's kind of funny. Like, you know, Zoolander was kind of funny, but it still was putting truth in light. Because man was just minding his business, and the next thing you know, he got taken off by some kind of agents who tried to use him as the tool to be the uh, assassinate the, the person that was going to assassinate the Malaysian prime minister. <laughs> you have Mugatu. It was getting real, and every time he turned around, he was like, "Well, wow, I'm tired. Where I've been there, like you've been missing for like a week, not even knowing he was like in the place for a week, in two places for a week." getting mind control not they was trying to get it so that when you hear that song play you go into you check out to who you are you no longer who you're supposed to be Zoolander. you're going to check in and become the assassinated that's supposed to take out uh the prime uh, minister of malaysia or milan or wherever the heck the person was from you know it's, it sounds like a joke but it's not so the whole while he was wired to be something same thing like i guess salt that was mind control too. You have to understand, salt was mind control as well. She, she never, she didn't trick all. She ain't know nothing. She have no recollection until the guy came and the, whatever in the conversation he had to trigger. That was a trigger. He triggered her because now he was in the custody of the state. He was in custody of the United States of America, and he knew where she was gonna be at. Boom! Come on, man. You gotta watch these things. They're using CIA intelligence, 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 intelligence. Is what? It ain't just a just over there. They need to see what's going on here too. Now, the Manchurian candidate. 
Manchurian candidate. CIA wanted to develop agents whom they had as much control over as possible. Agents who would perform tasks contrary to their own good. You know, they literally said, you know, train, they wanted to train to kill, but also clean the mind so it doesn't remember that they killed. It literally said that, maturity and candidate. This, this, is, this is 1979. 1979. This came out, the movie came out, I think, in 2004. Don't quote me. It was 2014. Don't quote me because it was a very long time ago. I want to say 2000. It was not 2014. It was 2004. It say right here in 1979, Manchurian Candidate CIA wanted to develop agents whom they had as much control over as possible. Agents who would perform tasks contrary to their own good. Train you to kill and also not remember that you killed. They called this message whitewash and dry clean. And damn, I dropped the mic. I dropped my whole, I dropped my whole legal pad. Ah, uh, there you go. Come on, man. Stop playing with me. I took the time to try to find out some of this research for y'all. And then honestly, I'm going to keep going because I'm trying to find and trace this thing down. Before 1979, obviously it's been here before. It's nothing new under the sun. Down to every, they was doing this to, to the silver screen people. They've been doing this for a long time. You you got to get control even over, over in the uh, secret societies. People got to shut up. You you could trust your own circle and your own family to keep a secret. You think they could trust all these million celebrities just keep their mouth shut? They be shutting people down in real time. I don't see Tokyo Tony trying to sit there and expose something, and she just had it right there. And in real time, they shut it down. They never done contacted her YouTube. You, you, that's a that's a tight pull. And that's not just, oh, because I'm keeping, no, they, they know what to do. You take things down fast. I know that too, especially from my YouTube days. A lot of my old YouTube channels I missed. They did so good, I can't remember what they was called. So wrote it down on paper somewhere. One guy, they, they literally traced off. He did so good. He did documentaries, and he said that because things are getting too real and because of, um, he literally said his safety and his family, he has to stop. Wow, was I saddened about that one. That was one of the main people that got me on, man. For years, they was going, they was doing good, and they got rid of the page. You heard that? Train you to kill, and not to remember you to kill. Whitewashing dry clean, man. I talked about Zoolander. So they like hypnosis, right? They like hip, uh, electroshock. They like drug, purest form especially, and they love mysticism like shamans. So they got a combination of all these things. Demon possession, because once you open it up, they're going to put you... So the hypnosis, electric shock, and drug going to open you up. The mysticism probably going to... Um, not probably, will house the entity in that vessel. The Holy Spirit cannot live there. Okay, so it says here, quote, most government agencies concerned with operations have been looking have been looking through hypnosis as a tool for a variety of purposes, one of which is to carry out and to execute certain intelligence operations on a basis where they would not have to rely completely on some of their own emotional reactions. They need to control things. Do some materials talk about emotional reactions. I'm sad today. I don't want to work. I'm having a, my period of cramps. I'm not going on stage. We're going to push the button. I bet you go on stage and get us this money with this contract. They, they don't got time for that in the industry. They don't got time for that in politics, especially when it's serious. If they put you in admin and it's a political thing in the hospital, they probably going to chip you too. 
It don't, we don't know who, well, we know in the industry for sure. You get out of here. And then when they want to make you glitch and look crazy, they ain't going to fix your butt. You know why I'm saying that? You know I'm talking about MK Ultra now too. Can I just tie this in a little bit? Because Jaguar Wright was just um, arrested and also Orlando Brown. This is a lot of time when they catch them back up and they put them back in MK Ultra reprogramming to try to fix them. A lot of times, okay, I'll be very clear. Um, Gangsta Boo. I want to, did I talk about Gangsta Boo real quick on the show? Let me go back real quick on the show because uh, I, I want to finish up that thought, but I want to talk about M- MK Ultra first because once you start talking about this stuff, people, I want to really get my facts in verse. So yeah, I think Gangsta Boo was pretty much saying that that doctor was not a real doctor on the show. She exposed the show because she said that basically he was not a real doctor, that he was uh, what they would term a, like TV, like an actor doctor. She said because at the end of the day, everybody in that house other than her was on the, on, literally walking around in the aqua and pills, and he never said anything. She said she found it funny how, you know, she he tried to just, um, or maybe I didn't mention Gangsta Boo before I mentioned her now. He found it funny how she, the doctor came in and he said uh, at the confrontation, he had went in her room one day, looked around, and he thought he had seen some meth or something. She was offended because she said, I'm a grown woman. I've always been grown. I've always been real. Like, if I do this, I do this. Uh, same with DMX. If I do this, I do that. If I'm on it, I'm on it. If I'm not, I'm not. So she said she was offended because they were trying to, to for a storyline for some ratings, trying to paint her out to be something that she was not. And I'm not saying that Gangsta Pooh was not on drugs. She didn't do drugs. I'm simply saying at that time, they wanted to pick on her on the show and try to make it seem like everybody else was okay. Gangsta Pooh said on um, that last episode or thing when she did with the that was it draft king drunk king whatever they call that camera the name of the show right now she specifically said that her therapist she have a therapist she know what a real therapist look like and her therapist is a woman she said when i go to my therapist she offered me tea she said my therapist don't offer me alcohol and that was her way of calling out saying like what kind of therapist if you're supposed to be a therapist on the show to help people like you're not helping anybody y'all trying to front like you're there to help people in addictions but behind the scenes everybody work around here with pills uh, alcohol you know what i'm saying uh you if you sitting down with somebody to even help them you offering them alcohol but it's supposed to be about rehabilitation come on like she was trying to expose it for what it was and she said after show and all this other stuff you know you have to ask yourself why is there so much drugs in hollywood why is there so much alcohol in Hollywood? Yes, you could say common things like it, it, this is the same world as our world. I can drink if I want to. I can do this if I want to. We all can do whatever we want, especially if we're of age. But I feel like who you are is who you are. It can't be everybody in the industry is a damn crackhead and a damn cool head. You see what I'm saying? The, the way I feel about it is that it's so much a part of their lifestyle because it was already induced to their lifestyle to control them. It's the same way as if on the street, a pimp sometimes, if you want to get control of a woman, you know what he do? He, he lays her. He lays her drug or he lays her something, a little cigarette, a marijuana, whatever. He lays it. Because now when she weak like that, a lot of people do that. You know what I'm saying? So in the industry, especially when it was coming to mind control, the first thing they went to looking was not torture and not electroshock. They were looking for something strong and powerful that you can ingest or digest like a psychedelic that would take you out of your head. So you have to understand, drug, first of all, for them, is not necessarily, uh, I guess you could say, it's not necessarily to get high so much as it is to, um, uh, mind control. It makes them feel euphoric, the person that's taking it, but what they're really trying to do at that point is just uh, disable your mind. You see what I'm trying to say? So if, if that's what, not only is they going to do that, but they do other things, sexual assault. 
There's a lot of ways to shatter the mind. See, one thing's for sure and two things for certain. There's a couple people I said in my life I would never date. I wouldn't date a cop <laughs> because I always feel like if something happened and that cop beat your butt, or I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to have anybody. I'm just being honest. You call the police. I don't care if your brain's hanging out your nose, girl. The police going to take one look at you. Once he finds, once he flashes badge, it don't even, he don't even have to be from that police, the responding police officer department. Once he flashes badge, sweetheart, <laughs> and shows that he's police, he's going to be like, oh, okay, uh, hear no evil, see no evil, miss. Just put some ice on your brain matter that's coming out of your nostril. And if it's not going down by the morning, just see a doctor, okay? And they're just going to leave, all right? Not doing that. Can't call the police on the police. Not going to work. Maybe, maybe these days. Nah, I don't believe it. Especially in my skin color. No. Second, <laughs> I'm not dating an actor. Sorry. No, I'm not. Because you can cry, especially if you're really good at what you do. Because you can cry at the drop of a dime. Make me feel sorry for you. Some kind of empath stuff. I learned that from watching uh, Mommy Dearest. Oh, yeah. She did Christina dirty. Especially when she had nerve to tell Christina when she came home from boarding school that she was so broke. And, oh, Christina, what are we going to do? And I can't pay for your schooling anymore. You have to come home. And then Christina came home and she seen one of her many uncles walking down the hallway. And he's like, oh, Christina, you're home. I'm so happy you're here. I haven't seen you. He was like, wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be at school? <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, mommy's having uh, problems. Remember, Christina was the adopted daughter of her. Um, anyway. She said, mommy having my troubles and I decided to come home and just stay home and help and I'm just going to miss a semester. We'll figure it out. And the uncle daddy is looking like, oh, what? He's like, your mother ain't got no money, but she just signed with all these new contracts and all these new deals for the next many years with this, 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 this. So now he felt kind of awkward, like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but maybe I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm just going to get out of it. And that's when Christina realized that that act that her mother put on that night in the kitchen when she came back home from boarding school was a lie. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh-huh, uh-huh. no actors for me. Mm-mm. Shady. Next. What's the last thing? Got to be something here. I know what it is. Oh, a psychiatrist, yes. Anybody that dabbles in psychology, they're already reading you. They're already analyzing you. They probably know you a little better than you know yourself. And so they're already moving and treating you in such a way you're already being handled. And I know for a fact in the industry, they have to be psychologists on deck. Because people have mentals. I think the other person, they probably can't control is Kanye. But even contrary, they, Kanye, they have to control. Drugs is the first way, okay? I'm just... Sharing my thoughts and also sharing what I have found out. Hey. So it says, uh, yeah, but like I said, people become affected long-term and emotionally and physically through these experiments and they that they didn't even agree to be a part of. So have some heart for your Jaguar rights. Have some heart for your Orlando Browns. Have some heart for even your Lauren Hills and you don't you don't know what people have been through and it's so easy to just say, Oh, they're crazy, oh they're on drugs, especially when they like to just as soon as they want to label you druggy. Come on. What kind of job I mean, even in Hollywood, with all the money that people are are making, I guess people making minimum wage or better. And they have jobs that are like, okay, Maryland wine is legal in a lot of states, but they still have jobs jobs that are like, you can't be under the influence of alcohol while you work. You can't be oh please, on a lot of these sets, whether you think they're not there's cocaine, they're, come on. This is an industry where they're going to keep you on. Come on. Give me a break. These politicians as well. Give me a break. They got to keep everything on deck from, from something up or a downer to a heart pill. Stop it. 
On top of the fact they got chips in their head, we done seen Al Roker freeze on camera. Come on, if that was even Al at all, between the clones and the cyborg child. We'll get to that as well. Right now, I just mean to say they have long-lasting effects because it's the mind. You know, back in the day, they say touch, you know, somebody touched, but they really touched you. And that's not fair that somebody did that to you. If you understand that somebody is intentionally messing with somebody's head, I just told you about the liar who paints the reality. I don't need nobody painting my reality. I'm already too busy out here every day fighting and searching for the truth, studying and reading, not just for myself, but for others, for the truth. So the last thing I want is false reality painted in front of my face. I, I, I don't want the liar. Why is so much drug in Hollywood? Why, 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 why they act like it's not? And then when a person have a problem, they act like, 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 like they did everything to make their world drug free. No, man, you've you been hitting them drugs from young. And sexual assault. Like when, when, when Orlando Brown was talking about panda eyes. And then I seen the episode, they, they were talking about the episode of um, Orlando Brown as a child and a Jimmy Fox girl with panda eyes. They had sexually assaulted that boy and then made him go on TV with that eyes. That's why they, 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 they talking them like that. And they don't just do it to the little boys because I don't see Blueface with it. And, and Excitation had had it. A couple people, and then they had what's his name? Uh, NBA young boy. He paints them on. Sometimes they paint paint them on their eyes, like makeup. It's symbolism, man. Balenciaga. That's the stuff that they talking about that they don't want them talking about. Now they gotta go put you back and hoping the MK alter you. They don't sue this type. These type Orlando Brown, Jagger White. They don't sue these type because this type is not the type that you sue because once you put them on the stand, to <laughs> They're going to uh, be under oath. At that point, they're going to have to start pulling records. It's going to be an official investigation. You're going to be in front of a judge. You know what I'm trying to say? Rico charge is going to come up, like she said, because all that money was built up on Rockefeller. We're going to do with Jay-Z. She done talked about She said so much stuff. And she predicted that they was going to do something to lock her up. It's some people that was around her, because I don't know how much time I have on here. I know I might have to cut off, but I'm trying to finish. I don't know if it's her husband, but I have a feeling he's part of it. But it's damn sure that Solar. Something was not right with that Solar. And I don't even like that name, Solar. Y'all got to remember, what's in the name? Solar. Man, man, Solar, Solar, nigga, collecting souls. She, I believe, was, she already a victim of mind control. I believe that she was either slipped something by him. I believe that somebody got to her through them. Because that's the only way. I find it funny how in the video she's screaming, Solar, 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 and he won't come. Solar all the way in the front. She got to go out the car to go get Solar. She flipped the camera from herself in the car. She's like, Solar, come, come, come. She's like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. He won't get out of there. Then when she turned the camera all around, Solar is in the, the restaurant or whatever that place is. About two, three people outside. I don't know what happened before, but she's obviously upset with them. And she has her son's ashes and she starts to sprinkle it on them. I'm not going to lie to you. I find it very funny in the video. These people are just, who, who are they? I'm be honest with you, who were they? It's like during Black Lives Matter, they kept saying that black people was running around spraying BLM and all this on, on people's businesses, but they found out that it was white. Well, forget it was white people's white um, agents and things of that na nature that was trying to fuel the racial tension in the country. So she kept, so, so she went out there and put the ashes on them, and she said, my son ashes and all this. She was very upset, and she had to put the ashes on her face, her son's ashes on her face. Then she come back to the car. Now, Solar was in the restaurant. He was in the restaurant. He only came out the restaurant when he seen her. 
I, in my opinion, from what I could tell, sprinkling the ashes on these people, which have the readers' readers' response, like they just walk, they brush it off like, like it's dirt. But nobody seems shocked. Nobody's trying to go inside. Nobody's on the phone calling anybody. I find it very funny how they're all covered up and their body positions don't really show into the camera. I find it funny how while she's yelling, nobody's saying, hey, miss, calm down. It's okay. Like, what's wrong with you? What's your problem? It doesn't really feel like a typical altercation. Who are they? I'm just, maybe I'm off. Maybe they're regular people. And then I noticed that while y'all watching uh, her come back to the car or something, those two people just go back inside the restaurant or whatever, and they kind of sit in the same position. I never see, like, if it was me, I'd have went to the bathroom and washed my hand. I might would have stayed outside to watch what she was doing. I noticed they never really looked into the camera. They didn't know the camera was in her car. That camera was in her dashboard, on her dashboard in the car that she had facing towards them. I find it very funny that they never really looked into the camera and their face was covered. I'm not saying it's not cold. I'm just simply saying, like, when they went inside, they looked like to just sit in one spot. And even the guy or woman who had their back turned to the glass never once looked over their shoulder and be like, is the bitch still consuming? <laughs> Which is the girl still coming back? Like, is she? I'm not going to edit it. I'm sorry, y'all. But is she still coming for me? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> no. And I was like, who are those really? And then I find Solar coming back to the car and he's just like, uh, Calm down, calm down, but also come outside. He, it, it seemed to me like when he, when she, he wasn't coming to her, she went outside, and then she went back into the car. But he was also was, she was like, no, get in the car. She wanted to leave. Solar is on some. Oh no, she's like, I hate them. He's like, no, love, love. This is love. Then he has the nerve. This is a demon. Look, the demon that's with her to 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 take the sun ashes, the, the sun dead ashes off. The face of her and rub it on his face on camera. He's rubbing the ash of this and ash on his face. That's a demon. She had a demonic suspicion right there. That that soul I ain't right, and her husband probably ain't either. Cause I noticed that as soon as she got arrested, why is he recording? Protect your wife. Be there for her. Be defending her. What are you doing? Where are you taking her? Worry about all that stuff later. Say they got her like she said. My wife got got up earlier. I find it funny how he over there want to cop a plea. And she want to do it. I try to calm her down. She over here with him. And they drinking it. And I don't know. He making accusations. I guess like they was over here talking about something. They love each other. And they high for drugs and all this stuff. But mostly you're recording. Huh? I notice a lot of time these days with the new age ritual, ritual. You know what this new age ritual is? Record. Because when the sacrifice is done, you record. That's a real time proof to say it's done. You see? They got to him. I started, I started to see the way her husband was looking at some of these last videos. He was saying, mm-mm-mm. But at some point, he was just looking up. Like, I mean, at some point, if you think she says she might get killed, wouldn't you think you might get killed too? You know, I be trying to tell you, people go into survival mode every day. Don't be so quick to think your people's going to be ready to come right and, and die right there with you. I don't know about that funny husband of Jaguars. I'm just going to be writing this you right now. And Solar, even though he's supposed to got locked up with her, Solar is a funny guy. He's a funny, that's a funny guy, man. That, watch who you have around you. I'm going to be very honest with you. If you're especially in, um, I guess you could say even like a woke movement, talking truth or something, especially. 
People are going to talk to you. They're going to come around. Test the spirit by the spirit. There's people I've made longevity with, and I know who you. I have an understanding of who you are, so I'm not talking about you. But you have to understand there's people that come with the road tells people with good intentions. There's some people that's going to just, they know probably that you're on the word of God and that that's your interest and your heart is there, and they probably don't have anything in common with you. So they'll use that as a way to even come through the door. You can't trust everybody, man. And I'm telling you, however Solar came in, he came in on something that was a common denominator. She already had her defenses up, but he came in on a sus spot or a vulnerable day. And that's how the, the enemy comes in. I, I honestly I was watching uh, recently about Jaguar. She kept saying that she feels like they're going to do something to her or put her in jail or kill her one or the other. Literally not too long ago, she was just saying this. But I remember one time she, while she was talking, very recently before she got locked up, who pops up on the live is Solar. And I remember when he popped up, I'm like, who's this guy? Because I'm just so used to seeing her. Why does she even need him on the fight? We, I don't know. But Solar was just there uh, mm-hmm, with a mask on. Solar, Solar, you ain't right, brother. You ain't right, brother. You ain't right, brother. That, that sister needs to be moving alone. When you're talking like you're talking, you need to be by yourself. I wouldn't even have a husband the way I was talking. Anybody could turn on you. Come on, man. Anybody. They, Mike was in the house. It was the, the cook and all of them. He, at one point, there was times Michael didn't even want to eat in the house. Stop playing. I wasn't even the husband. Anybody get bought and sold, dear? Solar. And he's so new. Like, what? That was not the one. Solar over there looking like he caught up with you so he don't look guilty right now. Like, ah, I can. I feel they're taking her damn K-Ultra like they do in Orlando Brown. Or they're going to clone somebody. You see, these types, they can't kill too fast either because of too much eyes right now. So better to keep building a history of insanity and um, a life of misery and self-destruction, chaos, and a revolving door of going in and out of jail, right? So that by the time they finally do do it, you're like, oh, she always had issues. Like, you know, like Gangsta Boo. Gangsta Boo was part of the 3-6 Mafia, though. We know that. 3-6 is, you know... She said it herself. She said um, they was already, before they got famous, they was already, she literally said there was already a cult out there in Tennessee. There was a cult. And uh, they had a large following, but she didn't just mean they had a large following. There was a cult. She's talking. Ain't there three sixes? Come on, man. And I'm not saying when I was a younger, I wasn't rocking, but as I got older and I become to come to the Lord, it's sad. Because Paul and all of them, you know how it is. We ain't going to talk about it right now, but um, I'm going to stick to the three I'm talking about today. So I'm not sure that psychiatry has ever cared for the patient or seen them as humans. You got to think of the asylums of the old days. They were very terrifying. Hashtag House on Haunted Hill. The newer version that came out uh, with Tay Diggs, I'm sure was in it. But you know what I mean? They were supposed to be in a haunted house, but it was supposed to be an old asylum that still had haunted memories. And if I remember correctly, the people that were invited there was all descendants of some of patients that were there years ago. Okay? And the house was trying to hold everybody there. But the asylum never had a nice place. Like I said, notice how most people in the asylum or institute um, have the famous line of the government put me here or they babble about so-called conspiracies you know think about it and just keep getting doped up about their sexual so there's a lot of darkness you know in the psych psych in jail i keep saying it and psych out here 
What about the estrogen that they put in male inmates' foods? And now they become more feminine, eff- effeminate. Yeah, they, they put, they, and even the inmates found that out because, you know, eventually inmates read enough, they find out the truth, right? They ain't nothing but time on their hands. But that's what they do because they're doing studies on them as well. And you, I can only imagine. That's why I said, I'm just like, I don't even know anymore. I'm just about to, I don't know, I'm about to just, I might just do like um, John the Baptist and just be <clears throat> eating locusts and honey, child. What is safe anymore? So yeah, gangsta boo said the doctors was fake. And again, you got a question why there's so much drugs in the industry. Now, Jaguar Wright and um Oof, Jaguar Wright. And did this. so that's all I gotta say about I'm done with the um documentary. And everything else now I'm gonna say is just basically thoughts on Jaguar Wright and Orlando Brown and kind. So she was arrested on Instagram or some kind of social media live, right? And they are claiming that it was a mental episode. Now, you see, I just told you everything about MK Ultra. Why did that for us? So I believe, again, like I said, they're taking her to the MK Ultra camp or they're going to silence her. I don't believe that every time. Definitely, they're not going to treat her like the regular general G-pop. You know, they're not going to tell like regular general population. They're going to treat her something different. They know they got her. They know why they got her. They know they're there for a reason. She was even calling them. She called them something cops. I don't, I don't think she called them industry or government something. <laughs> she talks a lot of shit. She's, you know, she talks a lot of junk, but she ain't never scared. But you got to pray for sis, though, because. <clears throat> I talked about Sorlar. I talked about why they don't sue people like Orlando, Jaguar, and Kanye either because, um. Their kind doesn't get sued; they get fixed. But you put them on the stand, it's, it's too it's too much on the line. It's like the Idaho professor and the Idaho murders for those those four students. Remember how she's now suing the TikToker because the TikToker swore up and down that the professor was the one that was the murderer, and it turned out well, it was even before it turned out that that wasn't the truth. The professor went and sued her because all the all the girls say was allegedly, or I feel, or I think, but she was just like, no, it's the professor, it's the professor. Now she's getting sued, you see, because it's not true. Now if it's not true, you sue. <laughs> if it's true, you don't sue it a lot, you leave it alone. So you know they make direct accusations, they make indirect accusations. Now um, human trafficking. Orlando Brown did talk about this. Orlando talk about, Orlando said something very interesting. Like when you're watching the Target commercials, he said those people in the Target commercials, it's not funny, but he says are human traffic victims a lot of times. And that they come out and they're made to look nice or whatever and look happy just to do what they're supposed to do to puppeteer for us and make us go run and get and buy. But then after that, they go right back to the hell that they're into. You see, human trafficking and squid game and stuff like that. I wish people understood. You know why things like that remain in, in power is because they're controlled by the CIA, DIA, DEA, FBI, CPS, and really the millions of the billionaires and the, and the richest people that run the world. Those are the people on top. The people on the bottom that snatching kids, those are people on the bottom. Those are the ones that get caught and they'll never say anything. They can't. They can't. They've already been too brainwashed and too manipulated and hurt and abused and whatever situations and scared to say anything. By the time they come out, they probably get right back into the traffic in again. Probably why they're in there looking for more people to traffic, okay? You never you never find the ones at the top. Somebody's funding this. The people at the bottom, they get money, but there's people at the top, top who actually deliver and hand these people over and have control over them. 
You know, I had to learn so much about human trafficking down to what it looks like to the point that my own neighbor could be human trafficked. The, the girl at the salon who does my nails could be human trafficked. Anybody could be a victim of human traffic because a person could literally go to work every day and be with you and go home and being um, under some kind of relationship with the guy that's their handler. And night after night, she has to be uh, pimped out sexually. I'm being honest with you. Whenever he says so, it's not that kind of agreement. What it looks like, it just looks that way. So on outward appearances, it nobody comes to the house kind of thing. I had to really learn. So I'm thinking about this time that a WNBA player accused LeBron James of human trafficking. Uh, she's in the NWA. I want to say she was part of the LGBT community. And she said that for a weekend. You remember her? I forgot her. I should have brought her name. I'm so sorry. But she was um, trafficked for a weekend and everybody laughed at her. And they said LeBron, she said LeBron took all her money. And everybody said, LeBron is rich. Why would he take her, her, your money? It's not about I want your money to be rich so much. Sometimes humiliation. And if I take all your money, you're broke. It's not about it. It probably didn't even go to me. I just could have just found a way for it to just disappear because I have flex and LeBron does have flex. Every I, I'm I'm sick of LeBron. Y'all can have him. That's a boule house negro. As soon as LeBron take his shirt off, the the seal of the boule is on his chest. He got the boule seal on his chest. That's how real it is. I go keep on with LeBron or y'all want to King James. But she said that LeBron James can't human trafficked her for the weekend. You know how it looked. You know how it looked like she was put in prison for the weekend because. Everybody kept saying the her friends and family and WNBA kept saying where is she? They didn't know where she was at. You mean to tell me that if the NBA don't have no no way to tell if somebody's in jail or not, they have put it down later that she was in jail for that weekend. She came out on live and said she was not in jail for the weekend. They took her to some kind of sex traffic for the for the weekend and they violated her all weekend. LeBron James is the one that put her there or 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 put out the hit to put her there and he messed up with her money. Now she's broke and she hates that guy. You know how that makes her sound? Crazy. But she wasn't sounding crazy to me because I know that Squid Game stuff is real. The only sad thing about Squid Game is that was people that was willingly human trafficking themselves for debt that they wanted to pay off. But they still was controlled by this Asian. There's, there's demons in Asia that control and human traffic their own population down to the mukbangs in Asia to make money off of them. Straight cattle. By the way, did y'all hear that in China now they're having a, a, a population problem? Remember the other day we were talking about in the Elon Musk um, episode that I was telling you how that the um, the population collapse was a concern of his because they need an, a certain amount of humans. And now they're saying they're comp- so, so that means even the one to one ratio is down. They, they probably not even having any kids in China now. They're they're really concerned. I just want to put that out there because we were talking about that. So <clears throat> getting off of that, like I said, I believe her going back to Jaguar. She says that Jay-Z has something to do with Big L's murder. Mm, takeoff's death. She says Takeoff's death was Rock Nation. Uh, you have Orlando Brown saying that Takeoff has actually the character, which is real. They do do things like character changes or and the character that Takeoff himself didn't die, but the character Takeoff had died. So you have conflicting with them too. But um, I do notice that around what Jaguar is saying about Big L, around that time, and Big L was, oh my God, that was a major loss for New York City, Queens especially, man. When I look back now, it all makes sense what she's saying to me. Because at the time, it was Tupac, Biggie, Big L, and Jay-Z. And then 
you have Tupac died, Biggie died, Big L died, Jay-Z was the only one still standing, and Diddy. And then Jay-Z and Diddy, as far as I'm concerned, own rap. And they are literally, maybe if not for a year, maybe a few years here and there, they're literally in the top one, two, or three of Forbes' richest rappers since at least 2007 that I know of up until today. Literally, from 2000, and I think in 2007, it was Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Diddy. Then 2008 is 50, Jay-Z, Diddy. 2009, Jay-Z, Diddy, Kanye. 2010, Jay-Z, Diddy. 2011, Diddy, Jay-Z, Dre. Dre is usually up there, too, in the top three. 12, 2012, Dre, Diddy, Jay-Z. 2013, Diddy, Jay-Z. 2014, Diddy, Dre, Jay-Z. This is Forbes Riches Every Year. 2015, Diddy, Dre, Jay-Z. 2016, Diddy, Dre, Jay-Z. Yeah, I did all this for y'all, man. Come on, I got time to go back and forth with nobody. 2017, Diddy, Drake, Jay-Z. Then Dre. But as you can see, if it wasn't for Drake, it would have been in the top three. 2018, J, Diddy, Dre. I mean, J, Diddy, Dre. 19, J, Dre, Diddy. That's a coincidence, mother. Are y'all crazy? So since Biggie, since the since the legendary Biggie Pac, come on, man, Big Al, all of these quality, which everybody missed, you the only one because they say that if it was he wasn't gonna be the one, the king of rap. Y'all don't even understand how big. Now let's see, two thousand and skip down two thousand and twenty. Jay Diddy Kanye. Then some Bud guy, some guy in 2020 that came out. It was a rapper that came out with a, a dispensary and then Dre. <laughs> and then lastly, let's say 2022 is Jay, Jay again, Diddy Dre. Come on, man. Jay-Z was the first rapper to, to reach $1 billion net worth and is and was the richest rapper in the world until um, April of 2020 when Kanye took the number one spot. But as we know, things changed for Kanye during that time. But did Jay-Z have something to do with Big L's death? I, yeah, I think so. Did Jay-Z and Diddy have something to do with Biggie and Tupac's murders? Absolutely, yes. That's why you never find them. Or if you find them, it's never the guy. It's probably somebody that they paid all to do it. Jagger Wright said that... Um, the last time she spoke to Big L, he said that Jay-Z was going to try to kill him. That Big L told her not to trust Jay-Z and said that Jay-Z's biggest sin was coveting. He doesn't like to share with the covet and he takes and wants. She, and Jagger Wright said Big L never lied to her. And um, Tina pretty much sold her kids for furs. That Tina knew that Beyonce was being pimped out by her father. Matthew knows, but Tina let him do it anyway. Big L was shot nine times in the face by a so-called best friend, but they said the best friend was shot and killed a very short time later. What about Aaliyah? We know that. There's a story with that. I mean, they took out a lot of 90s greats, it seems like, between Dame and Jay. They had a lot of, they got a lot of blood on their hands. <clears throat> Most recently, um... I'll talk about that in a little bit. Jagger Wright said Uptown Records started with five people. Andre Harrell, Albie Shore, Heavy D, Puffy, and Kim Porter being Andre Harrell's personal assistant. 
She's like, Cam is dead. Heavy D is dead. Andre Harrell is dead. The only two left was Diddy and Al B. Sure. She said, and Al almost died. She said, the only thing that they all had in common was that they were all writing tell-all books. And Al B. Sure was working on the documentary of his life. And then he goes into <clears throat> in a coma, you know? So, Heavy D, heart attack. Andre, heart attack. And Kim was supposedly said to have died by pneumonia, but she said the first coroner report said that it was homicide by toxins or that somebody poisoned her, which once I heard that Kim Porter passed away, I'm sorry, but I said, before I even knew how she passed away, I said, Diddy. And also she was getting ready to write a book. And it's, I find it funny that after she passed away, that all the laptops and stuff that she was working on for her writings was mysteriously vanished and nobody knows where they went. And she was going to air puff out. The same way that Pimp C was about to air a bunch of rappers and guess what happened to him. Come on, man. There's no such thing as a coincidence. And so Jaguar Wright says, like I already know and believe that they have poisons to make um, things look like it's a heart attack or pneumonia-like symptoms or stroke-like victims or more. This is 2023 and these people have been saying it. They, they live in a lab. You remember the movie Knives Out, right? We all seen Glass Onion. Think about that. Think about how the rich work that, like that. The rich control each other. Those are things as being rich and nobody tells you what to do because none of that finally made up. No, 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 no. What big say? More money, more problems. All right, piece of the goat. Now, it says, uh, she said, I'll be sure. And it's, well, this is not she. It's true because I've seen the interview myself, but she still talks to I'll be sure. That's what she says. But I'll be sure was one of the people that first came out and said that um, or hinted that Kim Porter was murdered, you know, which had led people to believe that that Diddy had something to do with it. Because I'll be sure said that him and Kim talked often and she told him a lot of things. And at one point he even told her based on the things that she said to him that she should call the FBI. He said she was running a marathon before she passed away. And that, um, he always questioned the pneumonia angle. He was very vocal about that. So how is it funny that after he said things like that, he fall into, um, in a coma. Now that he's out, you know, everybody's so happy. Oh, I'll be sure. I'll be sure. You have to, you have to, who's running the game? Who's running the game? Jay-Z run the rap game. So do Diddy, I guess you could say behind him, but really it's Jay. It doesn't matter if he's making music every day. It's called politics. Okay, that's why he calls himself Jehovah or Jehovah, like a messiah, like rap's God. He really think he really saved rap when all these people died. That's how he deified himself. But really, he done called everybody to drop. And I do believe that. I want to take a quick break and I'll be right back. All right, so I'm just going to wrap up with these um, final thoughts. That um, according to Jagger Wright, Beyonce is a slave to Jay-Z. He keeps her hopped up on drugs, you know, and we've seen her twitch at games. I've seen Beyonce now off. What I don't care if she's possessed at the time or at the game, just spazzing. It's there if you want to look at it. And Jay-Z just sitting behind her, beside her like ain't nothing wrong. He even saying, oh, honey, are you all right? You need some water? Like, he understands what's going on and everything's perfectly fine. Forget that. Yeah, I understand accepting people's swords and alls. But you you don't see that going on there, honey. Yeah, you see it because you know you're the one that's um controlling it. He 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 is, I believe, very much her handler. Could be. 
So it says that Beyonce is basically Jay-Z employee more than she is his wife. And that's not an insult so much as she says that uh, Beyonce was given over to Jay-Z as a dowry from Matthew Knowles in exchange for control of the rap game or the rap scene in Houston. So Jay wanted control of the rap scene in Houston. Um, Matthew said they should share Beyonce, pimp her out both because Matthew was really pimping her out. Jay was supposed to pimp her out. Why I don't seem to understand about Jay pimping her out. <clears throat> they was trying to decide who made whose career. Uh, Jay-Z already had a career. It was already on his way. He was already selling his soul to the Sharks and literally sacking every friendship and thing he ever did to make it to the top. Okay, He, he does not care about stepping on nobody's neck. Why does people not forget that people hated Beyonce at one time when Destiny Charles was falling apart? There was a time when people hated Beyonce. I don't know what these millennials know, but there was a time when we did not like her. I'm going to say it. Listen. Well, I don't care what, what we felt about it later when she came back before I found out she was devil worshiping. We felt that she was breaking a group apart. And as women, we wanted Destiny's Child because it was so strong and independent and telling us about bugaboo. And, and you, know, I, you know, I bought my own house, my own car, you know. And so she was breaking up something that was very, that's how she looked. She looked very villainizing because the girls were saying that they're not getting paid well and she gets this and she gets that because she's Matthew Knowles' daughter. It wasn't fair. And I don't think anybody understands until she came out with Crazy in Love with Jay-Z that that's when we was just like, dun, 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 with all the horns and everything. I don't think y'all understand that Jay-Z knows talent, how to put them. Y'all ready? You know, he, Jay-Z put his stamp on that little damn girl, man. She could have fell over like a K. Maria or anybody. I don't care how, how talented her voice is. That's not enough anymore. Lauren Hill is talented. She have a voice, but... If, if you're not playing the game right, if you have people standing behind you and backing, what the heck does that mean? And so Matthew Knowles made a deal with Jake because he's like, I don't want to lose. Then we're about to lose it all. I done worked so hard for Destiny Channel and give me the South. Okay? And so she was supposedly a court. And I can see this. This whole thing happening because uh, I wish I understood what their world was like. That um, a lot of the miscarriages, they supposed to have supposed to be sacrifices as well. Pure forms. Straight from the room for the riches. Okay? I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. She was a dowry from Matthew Knowles in exchange for control of the rap game and the rap scene in Houston. Okay, they were supposed to share Beyonce and make money off of her by pimping her out in every way. But Jay-Z, being the covetous man that he is that don't like to share, did pop a nose dirty because, again, covetousness. Hashtag, he want a stepford wife. Something he could control... Now, in H-Town, y'all, they had Pimp C. If Pimp C was still there, that probably would have never happened. But they would have had to shut Pimp C up anyway because he was about to expose the entire industry, um, all the gay artists and rappers, including Diddy. So they had to shut him up. All right, lastly, guys, I'm going to cut this off, y'all. I'm going to do a part two. But lastly, Jagger Wright said that the death of music executive Clarence Avant. No, he didn't pass away. I'm sorry. His wife, Jacqueline Avant, 81. They called Clarence Avant the black godfather of the industry. And what it is is that Jay and Diddy, right, would like that he would retire, but he didn't want to retire. So what, it's, what she says is that Jay-Z and Honeycomb, a.k.a. <laughs> Diddy, was behind that. That um, they shot Jacqueline so they could dope up the husband, music exec Clarence Avant, to make him move out of the way so that they could take a spot as the kings of LA. Remember, trying to just, just take over everything, okay? 
Clarence Obama did not want to retire. So, guys, on that note, I just want to show you this is the beginning of something that I'm looking into. But again, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just so tired of sometimes just coming on and saying MK and it's my get y'all because. Yeah, yeah, and those I know how it sounds, but when you have at least some backing or some credible credible references to it, you have to understand that it's real. I mean, people took the time to study this. They took the time to mess with my life, your life, military. I mean, this is a real thing. And it's not just that they just take the time and the money to fund universities and psychiatric hospitals to do these things just so they could keep it all to themselves. No, there are certain people that need to be controlled. There are certain people that know things. There are certain people that don't need to speak. There are certain people that don't. Need, and they are willing, by any means necessary, especially through the psychological mind of the psyche. The interesting thing about phrenology is it reminds me of the roots. Remember the roots back in the day, they had an album called Phrenology and on the album was a skull and the skulls were dotted off and each part of the brain mapped out what was this and what was that. I'm telling you, psychology is a very dangerous thing, especially when people know how to mess with it. You don't need to put no electroshock in my brain. You know, I, the most scariest thing they say about being in psych is being forced medicated with drugs that you have no idea what they are. First of all, you can't identify them. You can't say no, okay? And most of all, the permanent effects that it has to your body. That's literally what they would be doing to, to these uh, celebrities. It's like they're, 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 they're not their own. On top of the fact of the transhumanism, the consciousness, and the cloning. Come on. So on that note, you guys, I love you. And I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.